the key component that I've identified of why the kingdom dominion stream has gotten off is because they have misunderstood the nature of the king. If you misunderstand the nature of the king, you will misrepresent him upon the earth and in doing so, mismanage your design and how you show up. Welcome to Kingdom Over Everything. I am your host and chief fire igniter, Shea Bynes. And I have with me my dude, my bro, Dub Alexander. What's going on, Dub? What's up, my friend? It's always good to hang out with you. And uh, I'm excited about your podcast and uh, honored to be a guest. Let's go. Well, thank you. So you guys who don't know Dub, Dub <laughs> Dub's a little bit of a troublemaker, but but like he's like a good, he's like that good trouble that uh, Representative John Lewis uh, used to talk about good trouble. Dub's like a good troublemaker, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Uh, a lover of Jesus, a lover of all things kingdom, an awesome dad to Cinda, Lil C, and a wonderful husband to Beth. He is the founder of School of Kingdom. He's my bro. He's also the author of, check this out, From the Cult to the Kingdom. Okay. So introducing Dub Alexander. All right. So Dub, <laughs> let's get started by, we got to give some context. Cause like I said, you wrote a book called the cult to the kingdom. So there's yeah. a story there that needs to be told. So give us like a, give us like the flavor of your upbringing and then take that right into the story of when the Holy spirit was waking you up and saying, what is the kingdom? So give us that background. All right. You got it. So I was born at a very early age, uh, as most are. <laughs> I <was> born too. <laughs> so stupid. I apologize. All right. So uh, I was born to some ex-hippie uh, parents who were atheists at the time, very anti-establishment, anything. So against the public school system, against organized uh, medicine, government, religion, just really weird. Uh, number five out of 10, born at home homeschooled. And all of this is taking place within the context of inner city Dallas neighborhood called Oak Cliff, which is the hood. So we were the only white family. Uh, and then we were weird on top of that. And uh, so it was kind of awkward growing up. Uh, when I was 11, my parents got involved in a uh, cult down in Waco, Texas. Not that one, uh, but <laughs> another one. <laughs> same city, same time. Uh, this is an Amish-ish cult, uh, which Amish -ish. is called- Amish-ish. Amishish. Okay. Yes. And so not full blown Amish, but definitely Amish tendencies, right? right? So they're like churning butter and trying to make ankles sexy again, you know, that type of deal. <laughs> and <laughs> they're called a uh, Homestead Heritage now. They change their name every time they get in trouble with the law. There's about 1,200 of them live on like this commune farm down off the Brazos River. And so uh, we would drive down there on the weekends and hang out and do Amishish stuff. And uh, so now, like, in addition to all of the weirdness and social awkwardness that we already existed in, now my, you know, like my, my sisters and my mom, they, they're not allowed to cut their hair. They got the bump in the bun. They've got yep. uh, the long dresses. And so my friends start calling us the little house on the prairie house. So I was like, oh, that's <laughs> great. Like, whole nother level. Like, I just want to rap and play basketball. And now I'm like throwing hay bales to Josiah on the weekends. And uh, so weird. You're like your Monday through Friday versus your weekend. It's so odd. 
It was. It's like Weird Al Yankovic, Amish Paradise. That's kind of the theme song of my life at this point. Uh, now, here's the deal. We end up getting kicked out of the cult, excommunicated. They do like kind of the shun thing. <clears throat> so we get excommunicated. Uh, but my dad's mom didn't raise no quitter. And so he rounded up some other losers that had been excommunicated from the cult, starts his own cult. And so oh, I was like, okay. oh, this is great. And so uh, he runs his own cult. Uh, for the next couple of years, and uh, just it gets more intensely, uh, you know, manipulative, abusive, cultic. And uh, so I end up running away from home when I'm 16, get legally emancipated and uh, get taken in by some uh, some awesome youth pastors, Baptist youth pastors from Amarillo who are going to Dallas Baptist University. And so I kind of transition out of the atheist realm through a weird cult Amish-ish realm into the Baptist realm which was awesome for me at the time. Everybody's chill, quiet, kind, love Jesus, right? Did someone and, invite uh, you to that church? How did you end up at that church in the first place? Yeah, so one of my older sisters uh, had run away before I did, and she had found that church. I see, okay. Mm -hmm. And so um, ended up going to a Baptist, uh, independent fundamental Baptist Bible college. I was the fun, they were demental, for sure. And uh, <laughs> I got sent to the president's office a lot for asking questions. I was unaware that was a no-go. Uh, and then kind of went through the, the Baptist into non-denominational, into seeker-friendly, into light-charismatic, got around some healthy prophetic. And it was at that point, which is about 12 years ago, that uh, I began to wake up every morning. And the first thing I would hear Holy Spirit say was, what is the kingdom? It's like, I don't know, Lord, like they didn't talk about that in Bible college. And so that, uh, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of an issue. Right. It's the only thing Jesus talked about, but uh and so that set me on a search, and a few months later, I found Dr. Miles Monroe's book, Rediscovering the Kingdom. That really began to answer all the questions that I had, put things in context. I began to understand original design, intent, uh, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And that has really led me down a 12-year uh, a journey of restoration in my theology to the original truth and mandate of the gospel of the kingdom. It's been an amazing ride. And uh, that's how, how we got connected because uh, we got connected kingdom driven entrepreneur. I'm like, Oh snap. We got some kingdom in the mix here. We need to, that's need it. To connect. That's it. It's so interesting. You were talking about how in Bible college, you guys didn't really talk about the kingdom and not only that, but the fact that you had questions about so I'm, what were your questions? Like what were the types of things that you were curious and wondering about back then? If you remember, Oh my goodness. You know, there, there, there's been a couple, <laughs> uh, some that stand out in my mind. I remember, um, I think the first time I got sent to the president's office, uh, good old professor Woody, he was, uh, he was kind of talking about, Hey, when you guys graduate and go on, you know, to be pastors of churches, like there's certain things that you really need to have a handle on. And, uh, he was trying to use this story to warn us about a recent graduate who was on his way to take his position as a pastor uh, at a church. And he met this guy at the Motel 6 that he was staying at on the way, led him to the Lord, took him down, baptized him in the hotel pool, which I think was the hotel adjacent. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Motel 6s have uh, swimming pools, if I'm my memory is sure correct. Uh, but they uh, go over to the next hotel over, he baptizes him in the pool. And I'm sitting there like, this is, this is amazing. This is awesome. And then he shakes his head and he's like, but you know that that wasn't a, uh, you know, uh, what was the specific word he used? It wasn't a 
it's not so much legal, but it was like uh, <laughs> legitimate. Le- thank you, legitimate baptism because he wasn't baptized into a local Baptist church. And I was like, uh, what about Philip and the eunuch? And uh, then I got sent. <laughs> Alexander to the president's office, please. And I became a frequent guest in there. And, uh, you know, good old President Woody, uh, I mean, uh, Moody, he would just be like, Dub, GW, that's what they called me. GW, GW. let Professor Woody teach. <laughs> and I'm like, but I, I feel like I have some valid questions. Like, what was what the problem is why can't did you drop out you know, or did you finish uh i did two years and then i i cut my losses and uh <laughs> took an internship yeah <laughs> you're like look I, I if they can't even handle my questions and i'm in school what are we yeah. doing oh my goodness yeah that is so wild okay so now considering the like when was your introduction to holy spirit in the midst of all of that stuff Hmm. That's a super interesting question because of my belief surrounding the Trinity aspect of God, three persons, one being, uh, and one of the attributes of God being that they are coexistent. And so you can never engage with, encounter with, or shift your awareness really to one of the persons of the Godhead without the other three being fully present, whether you perceive them or not. Right. And so I would say that my relationship began with Jesus. I was cool with Jesus, uh, but there are times where I can look back and I realize, oh, that was actually, at that point, that was Father speaking to me. That was Holy Spirit speaking to me. But because the only grid that I felt safe with was Jesus, it all felt like Jesus because they are consubstantial of the same nature, essence, and all of those things. Um, I would say that when I began to intentionally engage the person of Holy Spirit, in this Amishish cult, they did a lot of charismatic stuff too. So it was like, oh, interesting. Great. Yeah. So it was like a weird mixture of like ex Amish, ex fundamentalist Baptist, ex UPC, like all the extreme. Wait, what's UPC? What's that? Like United Pentecostal. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So like if you think of Assembly of God, right? Like they're doing the charismatic thing, but they got makeup and, and style, right? <laughs> right. If you see the people with like the denim and the bump in the bun, no makeup, right? Like that's the UPC, like okay. holiness, okay. like uh, no fun allowed for sure. No. And so <laughs> that church, that cult thing, it was like, if you took the most extreme of all the religions and the most extreme of those people and pulled them all and like made a gumbo of cultiness, that's what that was. So they were doing like charismatic stuff, but it was like also the most manipulative, abusive people mm-hmm. I'd ever met. So I was wow. like, I'm out on anything because they were like doing this stuff in the spirit. But then I'd also see them like, you know, abusing their wives and kids. Right. So right. I'm like, forget all this. Yes. Now, luckily, that Baptist youth pastor that took me in, Mark Urquhart, um, he he was very open in sharing his journey with me as he progressed into some of those things. And because I knew him and I knew his heart and I knew he was safe and I knew he wasn't crazy, as he began to dabble, if you will, <laughs> in the gifts of the spirit and kind of yes. lean into a charismatic uh, journey or really just a journey of an engagement with the person of the Holy Spirit right. and apprehending the benefits of the baptism and all the gifts that come with that, I was able to follow along with him in that. And so I will say, though, that it still was a couple of years in, even in my engagement with Holy Spirit, 
when I began to realize, oh, this is a person. Right. It's not a power. It's not a force. It's not a way God moves. Yes. This is one of the persons of God uh, who is amazing. And that, I would say more so than my initial engagement with the person of the Holy Spirit was my realization of the person of the Holy yes. Spirit was really where things clicked and went to a whole nother level. Okay, that's super good. And so, and, and that happened before you were getting the question when you were waking up, what is the kingdom, right? Correct. Okay. So then you go on this exploration of what is the kingdom. You're reading Miles Monroe, probably, you know, listening to some of his teachings, doing all the things or whatever. What were some of those, what were some of your key kind of shifts as you were kind of digging in and God's revealing things to you about the kingdom? How did that start to impact your day to day? Hmm. So I would say it gave me hope, it gave me purpose, and it introduced me to my original design. <clears throat> Those would probably be the main three things, because at the time, I was very much in one of the streams or camps or tribes or whatever word you want to use that was very, it didn't set right with me. I didn't like it, but I hadn't been given an alternative, right. but a very end times focus, like a left, left behind, right? Like Jesus is about to come back. The only thing that matters is telling your friends about Jesus. Right. And, um, it, you know, doing things in society doesn't matter. Like it's all about, we got to get people in the church so they can get saved before Jesus comes back. And I was Prepare like, for the escape. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That escapist mentality. Right. Was, it was so bothering to me. And, and, uh, so one of the main shifts was when I caught, Oh, like we weren't made for heaven. Right. If man had not fallen, he would have lived forever, not in heaven, on earth. Our original place is on earth. And then I caught, oh, Revelation 21, 22. I don't know how many times I read that, studied that in Bible college, and I missed that we get kicked out of heaven in the end. <laughs> <laughs> like, my introduction to salvation was, if you pray this prayer, then you'll live in heaven for forever. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Like, <laughs> I, I just didn't want to go to hell, to be honest. Like. <laughs> I just didn't want to burn forever, right? Which was the right. other alternative that was being handed to me. It was like cloud and a harp or burn forever with a worm eating you in darkness or whatever. Like whatever the, <laughs> you know, and so I was like, I'll well, take the cloud and the harp, sort of. Cloud and harp, yeah. It's like, this sounds super lame, but it's better than burning. So I guess I choose that. Right. But when I catch, oh, and I, John, turned and saw new heaven, new earth, and a city coming down out of heaven. And God's saying, and now I will dwell with my people, and they will be my God. And the gates of the city are never shut, and the kings of the earth go in and out. I'm like, oh, this, this goes back to the garden reality with upgrades. And we were made for this dimension. This is where our identity, our design, our, our purpose, our intent, our authority, all of that is here in this dimension. And so, man, like... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not about going to heaven. Like I'm about <laughs> being here because this is where I belong. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, there's a lot oh, very we can good. Do and then, how would you define for so for you? Because you know you you teach in school of kingdom. So when you teach uh, about the kingdom, what's the definition that you give? Yeah, so the working definition that we use is that the kingdom is the extension of both the heart and the authority of God from heaven on earth through us. It is the original intent of man found in Genesis 1.26, eavesdropping on a conversation amongst the Trinity. And they say, let us create mankind in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. Right. Where? 
over earth. So that's our original intent, our original design. Jesus has restored us positionally into that place, and we are to advance the kingdom until he comes back, and then the kingdom will continue to expand in the new heaven, new earth context. I'm glad you brought up Genesis, because I want to go there. So this is the conversation I have been eager to have, and I couldn't think of anyone better to have this conversation with. So I want to talk to you about dominion. You were talking about Genesis. Let's see. Let me pull it up. So Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And you were talking about, you went to Genesis 1.26, and then I just read 1.28. Okay. So I want to talk about dominion, because I got to tell you, as I just kind of observe some of the conversations that happen amongst people in the body of Christ, what's going on in culture in various areas, the, you know, whether it's during political season or outside of political season or what have you, I have found, especially over the last, mm, I'm going to take this back to 2016, I, I guess, but I think I've had a heightened awareness since about 2020, is that I think that a lot of people in the body of Christ have a whole lot of different perspectives about what this thing means called have dominion. And it's problematic to me that, <laughs> you know, there's some things that I'm like, we probably need to have a level of agreement around some of these things because it's show, it, it shows up very different in how we engage the world around us, right? Okay, so first of all, do you have a, do you have a working definition in School of Kingdom for Dominion? If so, break that down for me too. I do. Okay, of course you do. <laughs> uh, might I touch on a prerequisite that would be helpful? Please. So in understanding dominion, it has to be understood within the context of how God exercises dominion. And the way that God does things is very different than how man does things. And so whenever there is a hierarchy present and domination is the result, that's what man's picture of dominion looks like, but that's not God's picture of dominion. And so in Genesis 1.26, when we're made in the likeness and the image of God, that begs the question, what is the image of God? What does he look like? Well, all throughout scripture, he's shown as a king seated on a throne over the territory of heaven. And so likewise, all of us and everyone who will ever listen to this, you are made in the image of the king of kings. He's your king. That makes you a king, my friends. And so you are made to rule and reign as his royal children and governmental ambassadors upon the earth. But then his likeness, what is God like? Well, God is like three persons in one being, co-eternal, not one of them ever having pre-existed the other, co-existent, you can never see one without the other two being fully present, whether you perceive them or not, and consubstantial, the same exact nature and essence. And so the likeness of God, three persons, one being, existing within the context of other-focused, self-giving love. Other-focused, self giving love. Yes. And so when you understand the image of the of us, oh, we're made to be rulers, but what are we like? We're like other focused self-giving love. Now all of a sudden this hierarchy, this top down over people where people are serving us is flipped on its head to oh, we Jesus's title is not servant of servants, it's king of kings, but as right. the king he outserved all of humanity for all time. So operating in kingship looks not like you coming in high and dominating people. It looks like you coming in low and serving people so that they are elevated. So when we get to dominion, what does governance look like 
from the image and the likeness of the king. I would say that the first picture of dominion that we see in the operation of the Godhead is when the earth is formless and void. Uh, It's in a state of chaos and confusion. But it says that the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, and it is the frequency, the vibration of the presence of God that brings all of that chaos into order, and a territory is formed that is gifted, graced, and I would even say commissioned, charged with prospering humanity. So God comes into chaos brings it into order, and the end result is something that serves humanity. And so that is what dominion should look like for the representatives, those who represent the king upon the earth, is that true dominion within the context of the kingdom is never having dominion over the individual, any person. That's domination. That's not kingdom. Right. But coming in with authority and transformative wisdom into territories, atmospheres, spaces, places, and things, and anywhere that there is chaos, bringing it into order so that all of humanity benefits from it and gets to experience the goodness of God. Yeah, that's so good. You know, it's it sounds like you've maybe said that a time or two before as you were breaking maybe. that down. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know, I was, it was, I I don't know what timing this was, but I remember somewhere maybe a few years into starting Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur. So I started in 2012. So maybe this was around 2015 or so. And I remember all of a sudden, like there was people who were saying things like, are you NAR? And I'm like, I don't know what a NAR is. It sounded like a narc. Like I didn't like, I don't know what that is. Are you NAR? I, I don't know because I don't know what that means. And I remember I looked it up and it said New Apostolic Reformation. And so I was like, oh, well, what is that? And so I went and I looked it up. And then I saw these there. I saw commentary around uh, a seven mountains mandate. Now, I was like, okay, so this is interesting. I remembered years prior to this was before I knew anything about the kingdom. And even before I had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I remember that Lance Wall now had come to our church and had done this message. And I remember I was always a purpose focused person. So I remember that when he was sharing this message about just kind of impact and various mountains, as he called them, I remember thinking that kind of like, I like that. I didn't even get into the scripture. I didn't try to understand the scripture part, but the concept of actually making a difference in the world was attractive to me. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I remember like, okay, cool. So then now fast forward to 2015, I'm like, okay, well, what's the seven mountains mandate, like a mandate. Okay, cool. All right. What's the scriptural basis for that? What does that look, what does that look like? And then I start digging in and then I'm starting to realize that a lot of the stuff that I was hearing around, whether it was dominionism, dominion theology, seven mountains mandates, and all of those things weren't even so much connected to like my heart for serving and impacting in various areas of culture. I didn't know. I didn't, I was like, reading revelations and Isaiah. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's where they got the seven from, but I don't know. How have you like, I don't even know if these are things that you think about or things that you've been approached with over the years, but if so, how have you been navigating the spaces around this stuff? Mm -hmm. So one of my core values is to never relinquish the benefits of my inheritance simply because they have been misdefined and misrepresented by others. Come on, sir. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to the word dominion, 
simply because there has been a stream that misdefined and misrepresented dominion, I am, I'm not going to cease to operate in the true essence of wow. dominion because that's all of our original intent. It's yeah. right there in Genesis 126, the first mention of man while we are still walking, talking, uh, breathing figments of God's imagination and have not even been breathed into this, this dimension that we were made <clears throat> to represent him in. That was the purpose. God clearly finishes us in his mind before he begins us with his hands. And the ultimate purpose is dominion. So just because someone is misdefined or misrepresented, I will not relinquish uh, the benefit of my purpose, my destiny, my intent, which is dominion. But I'm glad to clarify the differences between yes. some of those things. And so people come up with the NAR thing. Uh, <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm like shutting down so many jokes because I want to provide your people with uh, value you know here. We but, allow uh, jokes on the kingdom over everything show. Uh, well, here's the deal. Whenever anyone accuses me of being NAR, I'm just like, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Anybody? The narwhal? Okay. It's see, it was, it was half baked. I apologize. Here's the deal. So I believe some of that comes from like the the Peter Wagner camp. And and I think that all of these guys, like like Lance, Peter. You've got to value the seed of revelation yes. that they may have caught. And even though it might grow into something that it shouldn't have become, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that we're all, we all should be wise. I do this with, with pre-believers, secular yeah. people that capture a, a beautiful piece of revelation. Uh, all wisdom comes from God and he doesn't withhold it and say, well, only those who have prayed the prayer get to partake in my wisdom. He pours his wisdom out upon the earth and whoever okay. is wise enough to capture it gets to apprehend it. So I'm like, what can I pull from it now? Uh, you know, the, the whole NAR thing, like, I don't know a lot about that. I know they're trying <laughs> to tag it to whatever Peter Wagner was doing, which I don't yeah, know a lot are. about him, to be honest. Seven Mountains, that came from uh, Leonard Cunningham and Bill Bright. They were going to have lunch. They each had a dream the night before. One saw seven spheres, one saw seven mountains. What God was communicating was, look, we got to think outside of this box of the church and understand yes. that kingdom is meant to affect culture. Yes. Lance ends up picking the mountain version uh, because he's very much in that charismatic prophetic stream. And there's like verses Isaiah, you know, and the mountain of the Lord and all those things. So it was easy to build language around it. Whereas sphere, it's like there's not a lot of scripture about spheres. Right. I understand why he did it. The issue is that because he went down this the mountain revelation, you end up with the point a, the a pyramid which is fine as long as you understand you're the foundation come on but sir. man's tendency is yes. oh i want to be at the top and then you end up in domination and so even Bro, wait a, slow down sir slow down because you just said something all right that's so good because i i i was thinking about how the reason why that mountain the, that can be problematic is because as I watch people walk that out, it, especially when it comes to like, I actually, hold on. I actually looked this thing up and I was, I thought I was like, oh, that's interesting. So someone said, uh, dominion theology, this was on Wikipedia, dominion theology, also known as dominionism is a group of Christian political ideologies that seek to institute a nation that is governed by Christians and based on their understandings of biblical law. And then someone else had said something on another website, uh, another popular website that said something very similar. So 
that concept where you're talking about dominating humans and you think about this this pyramid or this mountain where there's a tip, then it gets funky and weird if you believe not just in government, but in all the places that the only way for us to engage culture and the only way to see the goodness of God expressed is if we make our way to the top. And so then we'll also see people because man's way, not God's way, as you indicated, man's way, not God's way. If you're then domination focused and power hungry or power focused, not Holy Spirit empowered focus, but man power focused. And you think that like in your heart, you believe like, this is my mandate. Like this is, this is the assignment. Then you'll also tend to, um, what's the word? You may not, you may not exercise the same level of uh, wonderful godly discernment in the process of seeing somebody at the top, whether it's the CEO of the company, whether it's the president of the United States, the governor of the state or whatever. And that's where we get it twisted. But you said something, sir, because you're like, it wouldn't have been such a problem if we looked at it from the right perspective, which is you down here. You, you, I remember, um, I remember you talking about this around the, uh, the church and the apostles and the prophets too, because we have that same dynamic, right? If you yeah. take that thought process with, okay, well, so we're putting the apostles or the prophets or the spiritual dad or the whatever spiritual, whatever. And we put them at the top and then have that same perspective around like being, you know, uh, dominion or domination over people. It's all jacked up, but you're like, last I looked at the scripture, it was like, based upon the foundation of, I remember you saying that and I was like, facts and really good stuff. I said a lot, so go ahead. <laughs> no, it was good. I was ready to see if you were done. I was, I was loving it. Um, yeah, the, I would say that the church has, has actually been, and I'm a pro local church guy. Yeah. I'm speaking about the cultural construct of the church as it is perceived by most of the world mm-hmm. has been the most unhelpful in presenting that template with the idea of covering. Who's your covering? Who are you under, right? But we're to be built upon the foundation of the apostle and the prophet. And the cornerstone is Christ, right? Everything yes. is from the bottom up, meant to lift people up. And the covering theology is uh, who are you under? You got to get under somebody. No, no, no. You are to build platforms that are launching pads to send people out. And so um, if you find yourself under a foundation, that means the mob got you in New Jersey. You know, (laughs) you're not supposed to be under a foundation. You're supposed to build upon a foundation. And so I, in School of Kingdom, we use the sphere language. And I love that. Same with us kingdom driven entrepreneurs, same thing. It's the yeast in the dough principle can then be applied. Because the yeast in the mound of dough, the sphere, it can find itself anywhere and work in every direction. Yes. And I love that that parable concludes with until the whole loaf has risen. Yes. Come on, it's not about rising to the top so that I can legislate and force people to do things God's way. That is not the nature of God. God never violates free will. Uh, the kingdom is always invitational in nature. And so when we operate hashtag yeast mode, <laughs> we can- <laughs> We recognize wherever I am in this moment, I'm in the dough. I can work in any direction and I can make things better in any direction. Yeah. And when you think about what the yeast does in that mixture, uh, it does so many things. But one of it is, you know, those little air pockets that you find in a really good piece of bread, right? It's the, the yeast is releasing carbon dioxide 
And that is what is forming the texture, the formation, the inner formation of that bread is forming the structure. And so we, as the yeast of the kingdom, we cannot help when we're operating in alignment and agreement with the true nature and identity and design of who we are to, to shift things into a correct order around us so that everybody benefits from it. And that's a big deal. Yeah, that's so good. I was looking up because as I was reading the, you know, these articles about it and this topic, I've, I've noticed that even mainstream media is now having conversations about the church on these topics. Like you can go into the New York Times, you can go into L.A. Times, you can go into the Wall Street Journal and there's mainstream media having conversations about Christian dominionism, dominion theology, almost like you guys need to be scared of the Christians because the Christians are coming to, to force their way upon yeah. this nation. And you guys need to be aware of them. And I'm watching it. Like this used to be like these little pockets in 2012. It was just this pocket of people in the body of Christ talking about this stuff. And I've noticed since 2016 in an increasing measure, we're seeing this being picked up by mainstream media yeah. to, and, and it's like, and I read it and I'm just like, you're kind of not lying. Right. Because we actually are experiencing some of that. But it, but like you said, this is not about throwing, you know, it's not about throwing the concept away. That's what the scripture says. But it's about mm -hmm. aligning with his mind and his heart and his way concerning it. And so kind of so my encouragement to anyone watching or listening, if you if this is something where it's just like this seems right to me, it feels right to me, but I don't like the way this is showing up in culture, then don't run away from it align yourself with what it is, what you're sensing in your heart, what you're, what you're reading, what Holy Spirit's, you know, revealing to you, all of that is goodness. And so I just want to encourage folks in that. You want to share anything else on, on this before I go into something else? Yeah, I would say that the key component that I've identified of why the kingdom dominion stream has gotten off is because they have misunderstood the nature of the king. If you misunderstand the nature of the king, you will misrepresent him upon the earth and in doing so mismanage your design and how you show up, which causes nothing but problems. And so what we try to do in School of Kingdom is uh, there's a group that you might call the Trinitarian faith stream. Okay. Guys like Baxter Kruger, uh, you know, um, let's see, uh, Bradley Jerzak, uh, John Crowder, uh, these guys that have caught the revelation concerning the Trinity, the Trinity and the nature of the Trinity. And I remember there was a period there where like kingdom is my favorite thing. And I would only listen to people that were using the phrase kingdom. Right. And then I started hearing some stuff from, from Baxter Kruger and from Bradley Jerzak. And I was like, I've never heard either of those guys say kingdom. I don't think, but I was like, what the heck? These dudes understand the nature of my King better than anybody, including myself who's over here running their mouth about the kingdom, this is an issue. I have got to have a value for the understanding of the nature of the king if I want to rightly present him as the kingdom. And okay. so I don't know if do you're about to head here, but just in case you're not, let me ask you this question. What are the, what are the main things that you've seen, whether you experienced it yourself and, and your upbringing and your understanding of the nature of the king, or just things that you kind of see as, you know, by and large, that are misrepresentations of his nature? What are like the mm. core things that come to mind? Yeah, the first thing would have to do with... Mm, there's so many. <laughs> let, let me start with this, that the culmination of what I experience in my life today has been based upon the decision that I made 
that God, I don't want to believe anything that you don't believe about you. I don't want to believe anything about me that you don't believe about me. And I don't want to believe anything about the world that you don't believe about the world. Sure. And that's going to wreck a lot of people's theologies if they no engage doubt. in that process. Yeah. Because we've been taught a lot of things about God, which are not true. We've been taught a lot of things about ourselves, which are not true. And we've been taught a lot of things about God's heart for or view of the world that are not true. And they're contradictory in nature. And so I would say the main one that is an issue would be God's relationship with humanity within the context of sin. Okay. And so in, in modernistic Western Protestant evangelicalism, which is what the vast majority of our nation has been heavily influenced in, the question of what took place on the cross, to use the fancy schmancy seminary term, atonement, what took yes. place at the atonement, the primary belief system surrounding that uh, goes by the clumsy name, which I, I appreciate, uh, uh, penal substitutionary atonement theory, which is about 500 years old. And uh, we can thank good old John Calvin for starting that, uh, but is essentially this. God is supremely holy. Uh, he, he is so holy, in fact, that he cannot look upon sin, much less touch it, which there's a couple of issues with that. One is that if you think God can't look upon sin, you're denying the deity of Jesus because all Jesus did was hang out with sinners all day. And I don't think he was doing the, the bird box thing, you know, like <laughs> I can't see you. <laughs> right. And, I'm and in so, and God, out of it. <laughs> so God, like, he's like, oh, like all that sin is making me really mad and I can't even look on it. So let's create Jesus and Jesus, yeah, Jesus is God, but he's somehow less holy than super duper holy father. And so Jesus comes down and then God is like, okay, I'm going to murder you to take care of the sin problem. And then I'll be able to stand all these sinners. And so the, tr when the truth is, uh, you know, first Corinthians five seventeen that God father was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not standing outside of Christ, punishing Jesus for our sins so that he could stand us. So if our picture is that we have this God that is disgusted about angry about, and just looking to punish sin, then his view of the world would be like, all right, time's running. I can't wait to burn this mother down. Like, you better get as many people saved as you can, and then I'm really going to let them have it. Whereas the original atonement theory of the church was Christus Victor, which is <laughs> in one of its components, for the sake of time, that God sees sin as the disease that plagues his much-loved children. And he comes as, as the person of Jesus, the Word, right? That one uh, person of the Trinity, the Word, comes in the flesh as Jesus in order to operate as the great physician to heal the children, to remove the plague of sin from the children so they can be restored into uh, who it is that they are meant to be. That's why he's the great physician. And so... When we have that context, now we understand, oh, so the way God loves the world is he wants to heal the world from the plague of sin. He's not after punishing people for their sin. You're not punished for your sin. You're punished by your sin. If you engage in stupid things, you're going to experience super dumb consequences. <laughs> but God, he loves the world. He wants to heal it, and he wants to do it through what? Through us showing up 
taste and see that the Lord is good, right? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, the metanoia, the changing of the mind. And so you can either have a cold, distant, angry father who murdered the beloved son so he could stand you, and you better do your job before he wipes out everything else, or the Trinitarian view of God has always existed within the context of loving relationship. You have been invited to sit in the middle of that loving relationship and be a part of the great physician showing up to bring healing to the rest of the world. So I guess when I think about what led us into this, and which was that part of this issue is a misrepresentation or misunderstanding of the king, I guess I thought, tell me your thoughts around this, because everything I was hearing you say to me felt like a misunderstanding or misrepresentation of the father. Now, I know they're all in the mix, but if the, if the, if the major evangelical thought or whatever is that, but Jesus came, so maybe they might have, it, they might have what I've, I've heard you say, angry dad theology. So maybe they have angry dad theology, but their perspective on Jesus, the, the king of kings, is but he is lord and savior he's here he's he was among the sinners or well you know all of those things so where's the disconnect that i what am i not hearing where's the disconnect because i would think that then that was a misrepresentation of the father but but then they wouldn't have they see jesus as humble and and serving and all of those things so i guess i'm missing that disconnect and how those things come mm -hmm. together what do you think <clears throat> so the majority of Western evangelicalism has a picture of, of Jesus being the servant of the Father. Okay. And so like, hey, go take care of that. Rather okay. than the, th the three persons of the Trinity never being, it's actually heresy to believe that they could be separated. They are coexistent. Uh, as scripture says, the fullness of the Godhead resides in Christ in bodily form. Yes. That is an insane scripture. Says. The fullness of the Godhead resides in Christ. How? Right. Oh, in bodily form. The coexistent nature of the Godhead is that the fullness of the Godhead resides in Holy Spirit in spirit form. The fullness of the Godhead resides in Father in whatever form Father is. We don't know yet. Right. <laughs> but they're all the same. But in Western Protestant evangelicalism, there's this hierarchy in the Trinity. Okay, there's Father, I see what you're saying. Right. There's Jesus, and then there's whatever the Holy Spirit is. Hopefully. He doesn't show up because things get weird, right? <laughs> no, no, no. The I didn't even learn about the Holy Spirit for many, many years. Like it was just like I knew, I knew lots of Bible stories. I knew God the Father. I knew Jesus loves me. Jesus is the Son of God. He gave His life on the cross. He died. He rose on the third day, and that was pretty much the end. <laughs> and question for you: In that, were you taught that Jesus came to save you? from the wrath of father. If that was said, I don't remember it. Like if, if Ooh, that was, if that's what was taught, I didn't hear that. I just heard that, that John three sixteen, just for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's all I remember. And in fact, right. I remember when I was first getting, when I was stalking you, this was before you and I were in relationship. This is when, you know, I think it was uh, Julia or maybe uh, Drew had uh, told me about you, maybe both of them. And so we were just connected on Facebook. And so I was mostly just stalking you until I reached out to you. And I remember learning. I didn't know because I didn't grow up in that. And I'd never heard that before. I was surprised. I would read your statements 
And I'd be like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. And, you know, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I would see the comments and I'd be like, oh, a lot of people learned learned that and learned it in that way. Or at least they received it, whether it was said explicitly like that. Because, I mean, you say you have pretty harsh words like he murdered like you have pretty harsh language. Right. The pastors probably didn't give that language, but that's the essence, the sense that they're giving. Right. Right. So I was learning a lot um, by reading the comments and seeing how many people that was actually how it was presented to them. So I, mm-hmm. I was I was learning. I still learn reading the comment section on your stuff. Okay, let me ask you one. <laughs> let me ask you this. Okay, in the spirit of unity, though, let's close on this topic. So really foundationally at this podcast with Kingdom of Everything, the heart around it is yes, in the engaging culture, navigating life and business with a kingdom lens. And alongside of that, it's also how we operate in the spirit of unity. How do we become the, the answer to Jesus' prayer that we may be one? Like, how, what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we grow and living that out? So I want to talk to you about this. You and I have, be- we have, you and I have behind the scenes conversations about this. We're going to have a, a recorded conversation about this. I want to see what comes up for you. So in your world, so you run a school, a school of kingdom that has, uh, would you call it, do you say, well, this is, this is a school where you're learning kingdom theology. Do you use that language? I do, yes. Okay. So you're saying, so we have kingdom we have kingdom theology here. And that's what we're, this is what we're teaching. This is what we're helping you grow in and all of those things. Now, I have noticed uh, that one of the ways that you approach when you teach is that you don't tell people how to think, what they should think, but you present them with something and say, this is, here's where... Here's where I've learned, take this, take this to the Lord yourself, right? So you're going to say, I'm not telling you how to think, but here's where I've landed. Here's how I landed. This is what it is. This is what I believe. Now you go and do what you do, which I think is really awesome. Okay. So I've noticed you do that internally when people kind of come into the space of your world. Mm-hmm. How do you show up externally? You actually intentionally repel people <laughs> by sharing particular things in particular ways Etc. Tell me more about kind of how, like, how do, how do you kind of like navigate this idea of like I want to operate in a spirit of unity. I also want to put some truths in people's head that not kind of knock them off their feet and get their attention. And I'm also, at least by your actions, I think, also trying to repel some things. Like maybe you're like, I don't want to even really deal with that. Like how? So how are you? Like what's God put on your heart and how are you navigating this space? I know it was a long question, but. Mm-hmm. So I think the, uh, the key to, hopefully I'll do this justice in sequential order of the questions I perceived. I said a lot. Feel free to <laughs> redirect me. I would say the key to, we often hear uh, talking about, may they be one. The second statement is, as we are one. That's right. And so until we apprehend the understanding of the theology of the Trinity and their relationship with each other, which I don't, I don't know about you. I've never heard that taught on from the platform of any church ever. I've never heard a Sunday morning where they break down the, the Trinity Trinitarian faith, right? That of, of how those three persons coexist co-eternally, co and, uh, Consubstantial, 
inconsubstantiality. Yes. And maybe it's because it's hard to say those words. I don't know. <laughs> but I think I that, say, I've heard I've heard the concept from the platform, but not those words, not those three C words that you use, mm -hmm. but the concept of what you described I've, I've had taught before. I've been underneath I, that teaching. Hey, you, you've gotten lucky in several areas, my friends. Your experience is not the experience of the vast majority of uh, Western Protestant evangelicalism. But yeah, uh, I would say that the idea or the call to unity when the truth of the the triune unity of the person of the trinity is not the focus is it's not going to happen until that right. may they be one as we are one if we don't understand how they are one we will never be then one. how will we be one <laughs> not gonna happen i love that point great point yes um when it comes to so i i was so shocked and mad when i figured out that my experience in bible college the way that that college operated is they present you one view and they tell you if you ever this is what all true christians believe if you ever hear anything else beware of those false teachers brother right yes and so i wasn't even dignified with knowing there were other views on these things and that there were hundreds of millions of other christians that didn't believe what i was being taught and in fact, that penal substitutionary atonement theory I brought up, that is known by the Eastern Christians as the great heresy of the West. I had no idea. I thought like all Christians believe this. Sure. So what I try to do in School of Kingdom is per I'm upfront. Hey, I'm heavily biased in the yes. conviction I have come to. Yes. That being said up front, here's the different views. Uh, here's why I think some of these views are nonsense. Here's why I have landed on this view. but at the end, I have more trust in and belief in your personal relationship with the spirit of truth, the person of the Holy Spirit right. and the Holy Spirit's ability to lead you and keep you in truth than I have in anybody's ability to deceive you, including the devil. And so religion okay. has more belief in the enemy's ability to deceive you than they do in the person of the Holy Spirit's ability to keep you in truth. Yeah. So I try to lay out the topics. Hey, this is the one I've concluded. This is why. Now go take this and, and figure out where you land. And yeah. there are a few things that even uh, directors within School of Kingdom would disagree on, or myself and great friends would disagree on. Yes. But we, un we understand why we have those differing views, right? Um, and then uh, I would say the last piece is I'm not looking to <laughs> the waste piece. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not looking to waste anybody's time. I I know that I am not everybody's flavor. I'm super good with that. Um, and so when I post something that can be is like, oh, it sounds a little harsh. It's for one of two reasons. Either I am clarifying, it's is kind of targeting my audience yeah. by by putting it out there. Look, if this is your jam, I'm not your dude. Right. So go find your jelly elsewhere. Okay. Listen. But, and then secondarily, I would say even actually the majority of the time, if you see me post something that's like pretty harsh and calling out some, some BS, sure. uh, belief systems, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the reason I'm doing that is because I've seen one of my students share a truth and they are getting lambasted by the heresy hunters. And it's helpful for them to see somebody who is a leader and has some answers that they're not equipped with come out and like make a really hardcore statement like that. So it's really from a protective point. Interesting. Um, as much as it is a, I would say more so than it is a tailoring of my target audience. Yeah. Uh, because I know for me in my theological journey, 
I would catch a little revelation and then I might share it and then boom, get attacked for it. And so I bet, man, I must've been wrong. Like, you know, and I'm robbed of that benefit of my inheritance. And then later I'm like, I meet a leader that, that believes it has well thought out ideas surrounding it, why they came to the conclusion. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had only known them four years ago, yeah. the growth and everything I would have reaped from that truth yes. that I, in my excitement and foolishness offered <laughs> it to the public prior to being able to own it and communicate yeah. it well. So uh, I want to be that person for the people that are like, maybe Jesus, maybe when Jesus said, Father is just like me, that no man has seen the Father, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So does that mean Father is just like Jesus? You know, and they put that out there, right? And then all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, the questions come up. Well, what about father in the Old Testament who did this right. and that, you know, which opens a big can of worms. Right. And so it's like I want them to have somebody that they can protect to, that they can they can see as a protector. They can pull confidence from yeah. that will give them some stability and security as they're growing in their own personal understanding and articulation of a truth. Because when you put something out and you get attacked for it and you don't have anybody to lean on, that's a, that's yeah, a second you, it's very mind. easy to just, you know, to just go ahead and just oh, crawl off to the corner and say, yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, that's right. super good. I'm curious. I've never asked you this before. I'm curious whether you've ever had somebody who strongly disagreed with something that you did say, you know, pretty strong that ultimately ended up joining school of king like they like like what you said really like ticked them off but at the same time they were just like actually i'm gonna join school of kingdom has that ever happened that you're aware of many times i actually have several people who have uh publicly said dub has offended me into a lot of truth <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like when you share those things if there's a seed of something the way you're presenting, if there's a seed of something that's already in someone's heart. Now, if someone already has a hardened heart towards it, then whatever. Like you're already, you are already deeply rooted in your own thought. You're not really open to have any other thoughts. And so, you know, you just want to kind of be troller or just do the immediate false teacher and run off, you know, run off. But if there's <laughs> yeah. a seed in someone's heart that's just like, there's something just doesn't feel quite right about what I believe right now, then that then someone like that can receive what you're saying, even if they're offended, pricked in, in an offensive way, but also pricked in a, but there might be something in there because I'm not totally at peace with my current thought process of how, I, what I, what I believe about God and mm -hmm. what I believe about myself and how he sees me or how he's expressed through me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you said that phrase about, I'm not at peace. That is definitely one of the things. Uh, it's peace and joy. The people that are offended by me and yet still choose to invest and go through the school, the mindset that they have inherited is offended, but their heart longs for the peace and the joy that I walk That's in. That's good. Yes. And so when there's a lot of nonsense going on or about end times, everything's about to end, all this garbage, right, which is heavily fueled by certain streams, you know, and then they see me like, dude, I ain't, I'm, I'm over here developing a hundred year plan. I'm not, <laughs> right? I'm You're not like, about the back. world's getting better. More yeah, people I'm not are worried about the goodness of God. 
I'm not worried about microchips, Nephilim, or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, I'm out here advancing the kingdom. You know, I'm right. not... I'm not, I don't do spiritual warfare. I do ambassadorial representation yeah. uh, of the kingdom on earth. And so even if people have been trained in those modalities and that theology, they're exhausted. And so they're like, I don't know what's up with this dude. And I'm a little <laughs> offended. Check that out. <laughs> you got peace and joy. I want right. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. All right. One more question for you. So What's your, now kind of thinking about the landscape, you know, the work God's called you to do, you got a hundred year plan, you know, the work God's called you to do and all of those things. Like what's your, like, what's your hope for the body of Christ? Like, what are you seeing? What are you in anticipation of? Like what's been on your heart about this stuff? Mm. So I love that you use the word, the body of Christ, because for me, the body of Christ is amazing. One of the greatest disservices historically that has shaped culture is the word church. Uh, the word church is of uh, Germanic origin. It appeared 300 years after Jesus lived. And the definition of the word church from the original Germanic origin literally means a structure that is built for the purpose of holding religious ceremonies. <laughs> Tyndale refused to to translate ecclesia as church. And that's one of the reasons that they burned him at the stake, right? Wow. And so when we say church, we're immediately, we can't help it. We're drawn towards the, the social construct that we understand as church and whatever nation we're in. Whereas the body is a completely different thing. The body is made up of all of, of the, the sons and daughters of God who have awakened to that truth and have received the invitation from Jesus to be the bride to his groom, to experience that interpenetrative relationship with God. And uh, that's the body. And uh, when we understand that, I'm, I'm so encouraged from what I see going on in the body because there's such a, a hunger for truth. There's a true love for people. As far as the social construct of church, I'm also encouraged, although it looks like my main encouragement comes from uh, the places where religious practices are coming to an end, the places where people are leaving uh, denominational faith structures and belief systems because they're asking valid questions and not being provided yeah. valid, valid answers. Uh, I'm like, man, we just need to intercept those people that have the valid questions with yes. the valid truth, because the only reason they're asking is because they care. Yeah. And so I'm excited as I see the, uh, as I see the religious construct of the church and culture, as I see that it's, it's, it's struggling, but the body of Christ is growing. Yes. And, uh, so that's kind of how I navigate that. I'm not sure if that answered your question. It but. does. It really does. This has been so good. I appreciate you. I'm so glad that you shared. I, this was a conversation, like I said, that I've been looking forward to having. I got to have you come back again, you know, next Absolutely. year. We got to do another another round two on this stuff on another topic. But give a shout out, like if people want to connect with you, learn about School of Kingdom. Where do they go, Deb? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a reader, my book uh, From the Cult to the Kingdom is available on Amazon. If you'd like to plug into a podcast space, uh, if, if you're not easily offended, then go to the Joe Kingdom Perspective. And, uh, and then if you're interested in some training, some equipping, some courses, you can go to schoolofkingdom.com 
And uh, yeah, follow me on social media, Dub Alexander, School of Kingdom. You can find it everywhere. I'd love to journey with your listeners in their theological process. I'd love to offend them into some truth (laughs) (laughs) and uh, get to be a part of them really shifting into convergence where their true identity and purpose uh, align and where they get to experience the fulfillment of advancing the kingdom on the earth. Yeah, so good. Thanks, Dub. Appreciate you. Thank you. 